Welcome to the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. As investigators and mediators focused on regulatory and workplace conflicts, we have seen a thing or two and learned a thing or two. In each episode, we will be speaking with industry leaders in regulation, human resources and law, as well as thought leaders and top performers in investigations and mediation. We bring our audience interesting and cutting edge information on conflict management as it relates to professional regulation and workplace disputes. This industry is one of many views and we have to say that some views shared by our guests are not necessarily shared by the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast, its hosts or sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bernard and Associates, trusted investigation and mediation professionals since 2004. Now here's your host, Dean Bernard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for listening. Now, our listeners know we like to provide a range of perspectives and information that will be of interest to investigators, human resources professionals, and professional regulators. Today, we're bringing you a very interesting guest, somebody who's going to discuss what I think is a pretty hot topic these days, quiet quitting. I want to introduce you to Manny Rego. Now, Manny is a strategic HR and DEI thought leader with over 25 years of experience in HR, leadership development, training, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. He spent most of his professional career in financial services, working for various big banks in Canada, as well as financial institutions in the United States. Manny prides himself on being the least HR person you'll ever meet, a sentiment that concerned him early in his career, but one that he now embraces. A graduate of the University of Waterloo, he now lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia with his partner of 12 years. Manny, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dean. Happy to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. And so this whole issue of quiet quitting, is this really a hot topic right now? Well, it's a hot topic, Dean, but I'll be honest, it's nothing new. I mean, I think it's just a new phrase of a problem that we've seen in the HR space for years. We used to refer to it as people who quit but stay, and now it's called quiet quitting. And I think part of the reason why it's gained some momentum is the aftermath of the pandemic has seen uh, the workforce change and people's attitudes toward work change. So all this comes down to very basics of HR and leadership development and management development. It's all about knowing your people and knowing how to connect with them and making sure they feel connected to the company, to you. And and there's not that sense of isolation that a lot of people felt during the pandemic. Right. So then does that mean maybe requiring people or getting more people back in the office might help to turn some of this around? I know that's where people are going. I mean, you recently heard Elon Musk is mandating all of his staff come back into the office. I think Google has also decided that all their staff must come back into the office. And I get it. The premise for that is really, it's a concern around corporate culture. If people are not back in the office, people are concerned, leaders are concerned that corporate culture will erode, right? But if you think about it, What's the unfortunate truth behind this is work will always be and work replaces the office as the most consistent cultural experience people have. It's always going to be there. Regardless of the location, work stays the same, right? So again, it's not like corporate culture will erode. The one thing I always find interesting is when I talk to people about what's missing, tell me why you want people to come back into the office. It's the chit chat. It's the bumping into people in the cafe. It's bumping into people at the water cooler, whatever. People miss that connection. And I get it and I completely agree with it. But you have to keep in mind, those sort of touch points were never part of any strategy to begin with. 
this was never part of any kind of strategy around corporate culture. It just sort of happened. Right. Right. So the whole thing that people are trying to do, it gets back to sort of like connection. Right. It's either connection through uh, like an emotional connection or connection through proximity. And again, all that to say, going back into the office should not feel like punishment. And I think that's what's worrying a lot of people right now is they feel like they're being punished by being forced to go back into the office instead of figuring out a way that the hybrid work experience that is not going to go away can actually succeed moving forward. Right. And you also hear these comments made by some organizations around, it's almost like they're trying to entice people with almost a subtle threat to say, well, if you're not in the office every day, how do we recognize you as a future leader? How do we recognize you as somebody who could advance in the company? Because you know we don't get to see you like we used to, and we can't make those connections. So I suppose that's also something that's maybe for some people not sitting so well. Exactly. I mean, if you think about it right now, I think a lot of people are going back to their old cadence of meetings and how they connect with people. Okay, we're going to have one-on-ones. So if you just think about that, in the old pre-pandemic time, you would be with your staff, you'd be with your colleagues, you'd chit-chat, you'd catch up, how was your weekend? What are you doing this weekend? How was your vacation? That sort of has been pushed to the side. But what hasn't been pushed to the side is the weekly one-on-ones, right? So now my job has changed where I'm talking to my leader about just what I'm working on, but you lose that sort of connection around more of the chit-chat stuff. And that's why I keep going back to this idea, this concept about connection with intention, right? Have an intention why you want to reach out to someone, why you want to bring people into the office. I had one person that I was chatting with a couple months ago, and she said she wanted her top talent to come back into the office because she wanted other people to learn from that top talent. And I asked her, I said, well, help me understand, how does that work? Play that out for me, because unless you're going to have someone or a group of people sit with your top talent and watch them work, it's not going to happen through osmosis. How are they going to do that? And the response was, well, what do you suggest? And I went back to connection with intention. Why not have your top talent come in and say, I'm talking about this, either this approach to sales or this approach to whatever the topic is, this approach to HR. What ends up happening is you end up telling people, hey, we're going to be talking about this today. I really want everyone to show up for this. It's connection with intention. People are coming together for a reason and not just because we've decided every Tuesday our team comes into the office. And that's when, again, it feels punitive. Right. Yeah. It just feels like it's, well, this is just our routine that we want to engage in. Now, getting back to this idea of quiet quitting, how can you identify people who are quietly quitting? The one thing I think the pandemic has done is it really showcased good leaders versus poor leaders, right? You shouldn't have to be told by senior leadership to reach out and connect with your folks. You shouldn't have to do that. This should be something that you do. There should be no surprise. There's no way someone that was a top performer in your eyes has magically over two-year period become someone who quietly quit. These are people that you've turned into dead wood. I keep hearing this term about dead wood, right? And it kind of goes hand in hand with quiet quitting. I don't think anyone listening to this has ever gone out and purposely hired dead wood, right? You right. create your own dead wood, right? So if you have people and you're not on top of and requiring of them, and you're not really connected and knowing what they're doing on a daily basis. Again, it's not micromanaging. It's genuinely caring about someone and connecting with them on a regular basis. Then they figure, what's the point, right? If no one knows what I do, I don't feel valued, 
And that's one of the number one things that people need in order to feel connected to a company, their leader, and the corporate culture is a sense of value that my little piece of the pie, my little cog in this wheel generates revenue, generates success for the company that makes me proud. If we're not showcasing that and making people feel proud about what they do, that they show up that way on a regular basis, that's when you start to see them kind of pull back a little bit. And sometimes you may not even see it happening. One idea that a leader I worked with in the past used to do, which was a great way to keep connected to their people, but more importantly, find out how their directs, how well connected they are to their people. So they used to have something that I think a lot of people do today, which is called skip level meetings, right? Where that's when an executive will not meet with their directs, but will meet with their direct directs, right? Because you want to sort of see how they're doing. I worked with this leader probably 15 years ago now, and he had this interesting way that he would go up to one of his directs and say, hey... Paul, I was talking to Susie. How's she doing? And then I can tell you, if Paul didn't know how Susie was doing at that moment, Paul found out pretty quick how Susie was doing. And it's again, it's not about keeping people on their toes. It's as a leader, as an executive, really understanding that your number one priority is caring about people and making sure your people are okay. Right. So you shouldn't be surprised when there are people who are quietly quitting because you've enabled it. You've made it happen. The other thing that you could also do around quiet quitting, in my opinion, is remind people who they were when you hired them. So often you sit there and you talk to your colleagues and say, you know, I'm going to pick on you, Dean. What happened to Dean? Remember the Dean that we hired? Why not sit across from Dean and saying, Dean, I'm worried because the person who's sitting across from me is not the person that I interviewed that I was so excited about hiring. We need to talk about that. What's going on? Is there something I can do? Is there something I've done? Is there something that we can do as a company to make sure you feel supported? Again, so it shouldn't be a surprise that people are quietly quitting. They were doing this before they just sat at their desk versus sitting at home and putting their Teams or Zoom call with their video disabled. Right. I hear what you're saying. And it's it's interesting because I think for leaders, there's been a big transition that leaders have had to try and make. I mean, I think back to my leadership opportunities when I've been leading people. And I used to do a lot of you know management by walking around. And what I mean by that is I'd be out meeting with all of my staff, whether they directly reported to me or they were one level removed. But I'm showing a genuine, authentic interest in what they're doing, how they're doing, how they can be helped. And I think with us shifting to a lot of people being out of the office, this is maybe why a lot of the leaders are saying, bring them back because they don't know how to manage that. And it's probably a little more effort now to manage that remotely because now you've got to pretty much set up specific opportunities to meet as you're getting back to your concept of uh, connection with intention. Whereas before a lot of those connections could just be sort of happenstance around the office as you sort of strolled around and talked to people. So I, I guess that's certainly a something for us to think about. Now, you mentioned something to me before we got started about a post from CBC that posed a question. What can you yeah, tell me was, about that? Yeah, it was interesting. It's sort of like this quiet quitting is taking on a life of its own. CBC.ca had an article about how can you tell when your employer is quietly firing you? No, interesting. Right? And that's slightly different. It's more along those situations where you see your responsibilities change. You see you're being sort of left out of meetings, left out of projects. The leadership or the company is giving you subtle hints that you may not belong here any longer and your future may be limited. But again, my opinion, that is a big load of crap because all that to me says is you've got leaders who are looking for an easy way out instead of performance managing someone or dealing with HR. And I'm, you know, I've been an HR professional for 25 plus years. You know, the right HR person is going to help you make sure you have the right people on your team and you exit the people who should no longer be here. But to sort of skirt around it and make someone's life miserable, it speaks to poor leadership. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot, that's another thing that we see a lot of right now. I mean, you know, even if you, if you peruse any kind of social media, particularly LinkedIn, I find that there's every day there are multiple posts about good leaders versus bad leaders and everybody's eyes are on the leaders and probably rightfully pointing out that it's the leadership of people that keeps people engaged and keeps people happy, not ping pong tables and bubblegum machines and things like that. Those are all nice little perks. But at the end of the day, people want to be led and they want to be led in a respectful way and they want to be encouraged and supported. That's absolutely true. And the one thing that leaders need to be mindful of that they can't do is you can't change. You can't make someone happy. I mean, like there's another author that I just love her work, Cy Wakeman, and she does a lot of work in this space. And one of the things I love is she has this idea or this suggestion for people that are maybe thinking about quietly quitting, you know, leave in joy or stay in peace. Those are your only two options. And suffering and anything around the drama at work, it's all on you. And it's all completely reliant on the individual. I mean, I spent a lot of time, I used to do a workshop where we used to talk about the stories people tell themselves. And it's incredible. I mean, I think HR would be out of business if we actually spend a little bit more time talking about this idea that what happens in the workplace when it comes to drama that HR professionals deal with, it's not so much the issue. It's the stories people tell themselves about what they perceive to be an issue. And that's what generates the drama. That's what generates the reaction. That's what we need to get to. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack around that. But when it comes to um, the quiet quitting phenomenon, again, it's not that difficult to solve for. I don't think you need to mandate people to come back into the office. And I've had people say, yeah, but what about all the individuals who we hired during COVID? What about the corporate culture there? And if you're having constant touch bases and and one-on-ones and And one thing I would definitely recommend is anytime you have a conversation with someone, there's no reason to have a camera off. Bad hair day, pimple, doesn't matter. Cameras need to be on. You need to look someone in the eyes because you're going to be able to see how how well someone's doing or if someone's struggling, number one. The other thing is, and what I've said very often, is you don't need to see how tall somebody is. That's all you get out of being in person. I really struggle (laughs) that you can't get the same connection over TV. And here's, I'll give you a really weird example. When you think about the fanatics out there around things like Star Wars, I'm not a Star Wars person, (laughs) like the Marvel comics, you name it. There are people who are just so enthralled and obsessed with certain things that they've seen on TV, in movies. They've never met these people. They've never sort of shared oxygen with these individuals, but yet they become so obsessed and become such huge fans Why is it any different for a work environment? You should be able to generate the same sort of excitement and connection through a virtual meeting than you would sitting across from someone and seeing how tall they are. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you did me a favor because you totally took this to a place where I could tie it into the work that we do, which when you talk about, and I'm going to forget how you said it, but I believe it was, uh, was it leave and joy? Leave and joy or stay in peace. Right. And the leave and joy or stay in peace issue, when people don't subscribe to that way of looking at things... And they stick around and they're unhappy and they sometimes end up engaging in behaviors or conversations. This is where we end up with increased conflict in the workplace. And now this is what we're seeing in the work that we do is a proliferation of workplace conflict, which is, again, detrimental to the organization. It eats up productivity. It costs money. And so, again, I think it behooves leadership to really step up and figure this stuff out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Manny, I got to tell you, it's really insightful information, really helpful. Now, one thing that we, everybody who listens to the show knows this, we have a bit of a practice on our show of asking our guests to tell our listeners a little bit about what are the things that you love to do when you're not engaged in the work that you do? What's your off work uh, interests? Sure. Again, very simple. My partner and I, we have a place in Mexico in lovely Puerto Vallarta, and we try to go there as often as possible. I'm happy just sitting on my deck, looking at the ocean, waiting for the occasional whale and listening to awesome 80s music. (laughs) And I could do that every day, all day when I'm not doing what I love. I get that, Manny. That's awesome. I mean, uh, my partner and I also are big travelers and we enjoy it. We don't have a place in Puerto Vallarta. I wish we did, but uh, we'll have to see what we can do about finding a little escape like that because I'm sure that's a great way to de-stress and really enjoy. Manny, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. I know that our listeners are definitely going to gain insights and benefit from your wisdom. It's been fun and entertaining, and I know I'm walking away with some new things, and that's my goal with this. You know, That's why we call the podcast. We've seen a thing or two, and we always describe it as also learning a thing or two. And every guest like Manny that comes on the show helps me learn a little something new that I can apply to the work that I do. So again, thanks for being here. Thank you, Dean. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. That's great. Well, that's it for this episode, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Please send us your comments and suggestions. As I always say, our goal with this podcast and with everything we do, I know I sound like a broken record, but it's all about constant and never-ending improvement. And your feedback helps us with that. So if you can bring to us your feedback, we can keep creating interesting content with every new episode that we produce. All of our podcasts get linked to our website, bernardinc.com. You can find us on Bernard & Associates' YouTube channel, which is just Bernard Associates, all one word. And to reach me, you can email me at dbenard at bernardinc.com or find me on LinkedIn by searching Dean Bernard. So again, thanks everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the We've Seen a Thing or Two podcast. Bye-bye.